What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Take the baseline out. Uh-huh. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Hardwood Knox Podcast. I am an extremely tired, verging on, non-functioning Dan Favalli coming at you, as always, with my super-duper, incredibly esteemed, awesome times awesome, fantabulous, spectaculario, Kyle Lowry is better than DeMar DeRozan, truther, co-host <laughs> Andrew D. Bailey. We have, I guess, a topic you might have heard about to get to today. Some team in Texas traded some player who might be good to this other team in Canada for one of their best players. Before we get to it, though, I just want to remind, implore, plead, continue begging everyone to rating, reviewing, and subscribing to us on iTunes That is the best way to help the pod right now uh, and to let us know that you're listening, that you appreciate the work we're doing, that what we're saying is resonating. Feel free to leave reviews if you're so inclined. Those help us out a bunch too, and we love to get your feedback. We prefer five-star reviews. If if you have a problem, get at us on Twitter and just give us the five-star review anyway. Let's let's just face it. It's all hugs around here. But we do appreciate all you guys listening, and we just want to be – continually aware that the audience is growing and engaged. So if you can take the 15 seconds out of your day, search Hardwood Knox on iTunes, rate, review, and subscribe to us. Do it on your family and friends' phones as well. You can also find us basically wherever other, wherever else podcasts are offered too. With that though, we get to the question that everyone is dying to know more so than ever right now. Andy, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I got an interesting wake up call this morning or wake up text notification from those woge tweets um <laughs> can we just crazy seriously, crazy news seriously fuck the nba's news cycle at this point <laughs> um yeah it never ever seems to rest i don't i don't really know what else we have to deal with this offseason i guess clint capella um marcus smart but this this was the final big big move that we were going to see this summer. And it seemed almost inevitable for the last couple days that Kawhi Leonard was going to be a Toronto Raptor. But when I saw the actual trade package and we, and we talked a decent amount about this before we even started recording, but I was, I was stunned by how little the Spurs got. And, uh, can you lay out the full deal for everybody? Sure. Um, Kawhi Leonard and Jakob Portal. Uh, I already messed it up. DeMar DeRozan and Jakob Puddle to the Spurs for Kawhi Leonard, um, Danny Green, and the Spurs also got a first-round pick, which is protected 1 through 20. And if it doesn't convey, I believe, this year, it just turns into two second-round picks. So the Spurs get a highly protected first-rounder, uh, DeMar DeRozan and Jakob Puddle for Kawhi Leonard, who was the heir apparent to Tim Duncan. I mean, everything seemed so perfect in Spurs land with him and with uh, them and Kawhi Leonard, like as recently as one year ago. And now all of a sudden he's not there. And uh, what I was going to say is last year, we all thought that the Pacers got destroyed in that trade too. So maybe I'm being a little bit hasty in my reaction, but, but my immediate reaction to this is that uh, the Raptors just won this in a complete landslide. And it, it's really hard. <laughs> I mean, we talked, again, we talked about this before we started recording. It's hard to believe they didn't get Ananobi or Siakam or some other form of young asset in exchange for Leonard. It's just like, I'm rambling at this point, but it's we're, we're still just sort of processing this. And it really does seem like, um, seems like a huge win for the Raptors, even if he's only there for a year. It is a huge win for the Raptors because 
the the correlation drawn here is the Oklahoma City Thunder with Paul George, and it's exactly the same situation. Though it seems that Leonard is entering the situation with a little bit more of a distaste for his current destination, um, and he's he, he doesn't want to go to Toronto for ESPN.com's Chris Haynes, uh, but the Raptors were never going to get FaceTime with him. Otherwise, you make this gamble, particularly if you don't want DeMar DeRozan's contract on your books. He's owed $82.7 million over the next three years. Probably a market value contract once the climate starts to turn. But they were approaching kind of a natural rebuilding point in 2020 when you have Lowry and Valanchunas coming off the books. Uh, Serge Ibaka comes off the books that year, I believe, as well. Now you've wiped DeMar DeRozan's contract from the ledger. If Leonard leaves, you're having squeaky clean books in, in 2020, and you're also able to just start rebuilding kind of in 2019, you've also put yourself in a situation where you don't necessarily have to reload if he leaves. Jakob Pertl is super valuable, but you have Siakam. That's the other part of all this. The Spurs didn't even get Toronto's best big man prospect, in my opinion. You still have Siakam. Uh, this isn't a really a big league anyway, particularly when you look at Pirtle's skill set. They've experimented more with Siakam working from the perimeter as both a ball handler and shooter than him. And you're not going to brush about losing a top 20 protected first round pick. That's you. You then just yeah. get to st- like all of this. This this shit is all going to convey by the end of this year. Like that's it. Like once Leonard leaves, like you've cut your losses. You can start. You have your pick commitments. That's uh, to get a player of Leonard's caliber while doing that is is a huge deal. And who's to say he doesn't change his mind? And I tweeted this breakdown, but just for perspective, if Leonard would have signed a designated veteran extension with the Spurs, he would have guaranteed himself five years and two hundred and twenty one point three million. If he wants to sign for five years with the Spurs uh, Raptors this summer, it'll be five years, one hundred and eighty nine point seven million. Every other team can only offer him four years and $140.6 million. That's an initial difference from that scenario with the Spurs of one year and $80.7 million. I know that he has the potential to get endorsements, whether it's in Toronto or LA, but his marketability isn't great. And I think the bigger exception would be he can structure his contract so that he re-enters free agency in 2021 when he's eligible for that 35% max. Uh, he he hasn't that that extra year. He he will make that money somewhere. But this was guaranteed money, is what I'm getting at for a player who appeared in nine games last year, dealing with a fairly serious quad injury, and that kind of drop off again, strictly in the guaranteed front. When you're kind of already betting on yourself by saying you're not going to take the designated veteran extension, which the Spurs apparently never offered, but still, you're you're saying that to begin with. I would think that that's a a pretty significant development. And while you had to be prepared for the Spurs to send you somewhere other than Los Angeles, this is not the outcome you would have preferred or borderline needed if you're Leonard. People who are acting like you can just make up $80 million on a whim, (laughs) especially if you're not the most marketable guy, like you said, like Kawhi Leonard, that's just crazy. That's, Regardless of whatever deals he gets in the future, that's a huge hit, $80 million. It's just crazy. Like that's, <laughs> that's a really huge contract by itself for a lot of NBA players. So, um, And I also, you mentioned in there that Chris Haynes report. I didn't see that. All this stuff started brewing after I fell asleep um, last night. So I didn't see the tweet where he said, Kawhi Leonard has no desire to play in Toronto. League sources tell us ESPN. Um, I, I joked about this before we started recording. <laughs> what if he just sits out another year? I don't think he's going to do it. But man, um, there were there were whispers about that if he had stayed with Toronto. Um, man, his his sort of PR hit over the last year has just been terrible. Lowe's knows you'll do it right and do it yourself to stay within budget when making updates to your bathroom. 
We do it right, too, by offering up to 20% off select toilets during the final days of our Refresh for Less kitchen and bath event. Step up your style even more with floor tiles starting at just 49 cents a square foot. For your next bath project, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offer valid through 3-6. See store for details, U.S. only. Lowe's knows you'll do it right and do it yourself to stay within budget when making updates to your bathroom. We do it right, too, by offering up to 20% off select toilets during the final days of our Refresh for Less kitchen and bath event. Step up your style even more with floor tiles starting at just 49 cents a square foot. For your next bath project, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offer valid through 3-6. See store for details, U.S. only. It's... It's bizarre to me too because, and maybe this is, I have a little bit of Spurs stubbornness within me, but I, I typically tend to side with the player. And again, I have no qualms about Leonard turning down all this guaranteed money. It's just to walk away from that much guaranteed coin, is, it's a risk, just particularly after he's coming off that injury. I, I'm sure the Spurs handled his injury situation poorly, but I cannot yeah. think of a way to really defend Leonard throughout all this and I I initially kind of felt bad for him when you had Tony Parker saying stuff but then you had Greg Popovich saying things and I'm not saying he's perfect at the same time for him to kind of make the his group comment for Manu Ginobili to come out and say something for Ginobili to want to have that Tim uh that team meeting is just clearly bizarre and I don't necessarily understand why Leonard and they're saying the rift this was per, I think it was ESPN.com's Chris Haynes and Michael C. Wright and Woj and Shelbourne and all that. They've done a fantastic job reporting on all this. But the sentiment was this rift began last August, which th- that's not that's not on Tony Parker. Yeah, like, so what? Yeah, w- where is that breakdown all of a sudden coming from? Initially, forget about what happened that might have exacerbated the situation this season. But what what happened initially, it really seems that uh, Leonard's an adult. He can think for himself, but I don't think he has the right people advising him. I don't think he or his camp kind of understand how marketable he actually is. And this, to an extent, backfired on them a little bit because they probably thought they had enough leverage to get him to Los Angeles or maybe even a market like Boston or Philly maybe New York. I'm not saying Toronto's a bad market, but they probably, if you put the Raptors on their list of preferred destinations, ranking NBA teams one through 30, where they want him to go, I'm pretty certain that Toronto would have ended up in the bottom 10. Yeah. They've, they've got to be kicking themselves to some extent right now. Um, I, he's not going to sit out the year. I know I mentioned he might, but you just can't take more of a hit at this point. I think, I think he needs to play and try to be as good as he possibly can be this season and, and rehab his value. And if he is a hundred percent, if he's the player he was two seasons ago, I, I think Toronto, are they the best team in the East? Or are you still going with Boston? Um, Philadelphia is obviously still there. I, I think assuming he, you know, buys in at least a little bit and he's the Kawhi Leonard he used to be, this team is really, really good. Jakob Puddle was important for them. Um, DeMar DeRozan was their leading scorer. But the the DeRozan to Leonard upgrade is just massive. Um, I They kept their best player in Kyle Lowry, regardless of what some people are saying to me on Twitter. They kept the majority of their ridiculous bench unit intact. Um, they, they are still 10 or 11 guys deep. I, I did a little like makeshift depth chart on Twitter for them. And I totally spaced that they had CJ miles. Like they, they are probably the deepest team in the East. I think that's safe to say again, Boston would still be in that conversation, but in terms of what they will look like in the immediate future. And I don't know if this means they can convince Leonard to stay, but they're going to be really, really good this year. I'm reticent to put them number one overall just because Boston's... I guess there's questions with Gordon Hayward, too. I'm just sitting here and saying that Boston's getting two top 20 players back to an Eastern Conference Finals team, and Leonard's coming back from that quad injury. 
There are going to be questions about Hayward, who who's essentially completely new to the team still, since he didn't yeah. have a time to really acclimate himself. It's it's going to be close, and I the the Raptors, even if this is as we said, only a one year thing, they really I think hit this out of out of the park, sort of a buy low situation. Do you have them now past both the Celtics and the Sixers? I I don't think the Sixers are in the conversation anymore for this. They were. They were in it for me when it was just the Celtics. Kind of, uh, you could envision them being better than Boston scenario. I don't see them being better than both Toronto and Boston. It feels pretty implausible. Um, I guess it just depends on what kind of a leap Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid take. Um, I, I still think Philly could be in that conversation, but you're probably right. It's it's more down to Toronto and Boston. Toronto won 59 last year, and I think. They're a better team now. I mean, don't you think they objectively get better in the short term with this deal? Yeah, and it's not even close. So I, I think they could. And <laughs> let's not forget that Cleveland is now completely out of this equation with LeBron James gone. Um, so that's one less team in the East to really worry about. Indiana will be better. Milwaukee could be better. Um, I don't know if Washington will be better. They're, I think they'll kind of just be what they are. I, I think. Toronto has a very, very good chance to finish first in the East again for the second year in a row. But like I, I sort of hedged the couple times I said this before, Boston is certainly going to be in that conversation. What they were able to do without Irving and Hayward at the end of the last year was just crazy. Jason Tatum's going to be better. Jalen Brown will be better. Um, the the top two in the East is is really interesting to me now. So um, at least this year. <laughs> Who knows where Kawhi Leonard is after this, but for 2018-19, the East has at least two really good teams at the top. And I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and keep Philadelphia in there, too. I think they have a chance to be really good as well. So, um, Yeah, Chicago after adding Jabari Parker, who's a perfect fit. <laughs> Especially since they're playing him at the three. Yeah, that'll be fun. <laughs> now... The, this is the type of move that I think puts the Raptors in that tier just below the Warriors. With yeah, just below like three or four Western Conference teams. I yeah, I, it kind of depends on how Houston rebounds from losing. Yeah, that's true. Bob Moot and Trevor Ariza, uh, and how OKC kind of handles their business with whatever happens to Melo, and and after resigning Paul George, how does Nerlens Noel fit in? They're clearly. Their record said they were a top five team last year. They're just clearly a top five team now. And I think that you can, you look at all their defensive switchability now. Kyle Lowry is a bulldog on the defensive end still. Siakam is pretty mobile in the front court. You have Leonard, Danny Green, CJ Miles can do some switching. They didn't have to give up Norman Powell. OG Ananobi's right there. They have a bunch of different options. I think you can talk yourself into them being one of the three toughest matchups, hypothetical matchups for the Warriors. Agree or disagree? Yeah, I I agree. They've got a bunch. Like I was going to say earlier, Boston might be more switchy than them. But I like right before I said it, I thought, I don't know. The Raptors have a bunch of those guys too. I think Boston just has actual size that can switch. The Raptors yeah. really don't. You look at Horford and, and Tice, even Aaron Baines a little bit. The, the Raptors don't have that in Valanchunas and, and Abaka. The closest they come is Siakam. But there, I think, can you, with certainty, which teams are tougher matchups for the Warriors? I come back to Boston, and I don't know that I'm ready to go beyond them. Yeah, tougher than Toronto, you mean? Yeah, Houston so- would be the... The reflexive yeah. answer, but I was going to say Houston, but again, a lot of that depends on what they're still going to do, and it'll be interesting to see how they look without Bob Mute and Ariza, who were two of their switchiest guys. Um, I, yeah, that's about it. Utah crushed Golden State three times in the regular season, but I don't, I don't, I don't know if I can put them in this discussion. Um, they're one Chris Middleton away from being another Chris Middleton away. So obviously like we're not saying that the Raptors or the Celtics would, you know, 
give the Warriors too hard of a time. But yeah, I'm with you. Those are probably the two teams that match up as well as can be expected against the Warriors. I'm really sad that the Raptors couldn't get Kawhi Leonard before LeBron James left the Eastern Conference. Yeah, that would have made that rivalry way more interesting. Um, for sure. <laughs> like Toronto got their actual LeBron stopper after LeBron left the Eastern Conference. Yeah. Which, hey, maybe that's maybe that's good for the Raptors. Because, <laughs> like I said earlier, now you don't have that Cleveland Mountain standing in the way in the Eastern Conference. Boston will obviously be better, but... Um, I think they have a very, very good chance of representing the East in the finals this year. What, we already kind of talked about how the Spurs seem to be losers of this deal. I don't – do you think this was more the impetus of them wanting to continue winning now since we know that Greg Popovich might only have two years left? I, I think the him coaching the 2020 U, Team USA has kind of been cited as that endpoint for him and maybe that increases their motivation to win now or do you think this was more a function of a bare bones market with boston and philly and la really trying to overplay their hands or even adequately play their hands and just say we're not going to give up the moon for Kawhi leonard in philly's and los angeles's case they can just trade for him uh, excuse me sign him over the summer the same could be said if you want to include the clippers in there with the lakers boston just knows it flat out doesn't need him if the prices too high that one report from Woj the day before this trade went down where he said the Celtics weren't offering Jalen Brown Jason Tatum Al Horford Gordon Hayward or Kyrie Irving and the only mathematically way possible to make a trade work without any of them if you weren't going to wait until midseason would have been a seven for one (laughs) um I didn't see that that's pretty crazy so, yeah, I think you're right. This is a signal that the Spurs want to stay competitive. But I also, I think it's a little bit of everything that you mentioned there. I think it's also signals that the Lakers and the 76ers were kind of pulling back a little bit. Or maybe they never, maybe they never offered a ton in the first place. And obviously Boston didn't. Because that, <laughs> what you just explained there would have been a pretty funny deal to see. Um and it, this is also just kind of continuing with a trend that we've seen in the NBA in the last two or three years. When was the last time the superstar player netted like a huge return? Was it the Carmelo Anthony deal? Like six or seven years ago now? Seven years? Yeah, that I think that had to be the last one, right? And I wonder if I wonder if every team around the league is just trying to avoid that now. To be the team that gets... Cause Denver, you know, they went on to have a more successful run uh, than the Knicks after that deal was made. They got a huge package for Carmelo Anthony. Um, I, somebody just was saying something about this to me on Twitter the other day, so I just looked these numbers up. But the Knicks had more wins than the Nuggets in exactly one season after that trade. And the, the winning percentage for the Nuggets is much, much higher. Both teams look a lot different now than they did at the time the deal was made, obviously. but. I think teams are understandably scared to give up the farm for one player. Uh, And especially if it's, you know, a guy in the situation that Leonard's in where (laughs) he just, it seems like you're going to have to work some issues out with him. I think that's maybe a nice way of putting it. Uh, We've already compared this trade to the Paul George one a couple times. Um, and I, again, I thought the Pacers got destroyed in that trade and they ended up not getting destroyed. Um, the, the difference on the other side of that trade was Paul George. There wasn't any reports right after he got traded that he had no desire to play in OKC. Right. I mean, he was, he was at least open-minded about it. And obviously over the course of the season, they were able to change his mind. This one feels even more extreme, but you know, even if Kawhi Leonard, we've said this a couple times already, even if he leaves this summer. Lowe's knows you'll do it right and do it yourself to make refreshing changes to your kitchen and bath. We do it right, too, with up to 40% off select kitchen and bath essentials during the final days of our Refresh for Less kitchen and bath event. 
That's up to 40% off faucets, vanities, shower heads, and more. For kitchen and bath updates that keep you within budget, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offer valid through 3-6. See store for details, U.S. only. Then you got out from under a contract that you probably didn't want on your books anyway with DeMar DeRozan. So even as I'm trying to like rationalize this and say that it you know maybe it doesn't make total sense for the raptors i it, it's hard for me to find a really bad thing to say about this deal for toronto yeah because even if even if the spurs situation pans out that same parallel is drawn between oklahoma city and indiana both teams kind of got what they wanted out of it then it's i i it's tough for me to say that the spurs are gonna match Indy's surprise level at the same time I probably would have been steadfastly against saying the Pacers would flirt with 50 victories after that Paul George trade so maybe DeMar DeRozan's fit in San Antonio is just it's questionable to me not necessarily looking at his style specifically his mid-range pull-up jumper is something that they kind of encouraged Kawhi Leonard to do uh, you look at his Leonard's, this shocked me, Leonard's 2016-2017 season, 45.8% of all his looks came as pull-up jumpers. And DeMar and- DeRozan can fit into that role. He has more of a change of pace game with the ball in his hands. Already a more accomplished pick-and-roll maestro, although Kawhi Leonard was on the come-up there. You look at the defensive concerns because you, if you're the Spurs, you also lost Danny Green and Kyle Anderson this offseason. Then you look at the spacing warts. This was a team that wasn't shooting a ton of threes to begin with, and now you're starting backcourt. This is the stat I threw at you before the podcast. Your starting backcourt of DeMar DeRozan and DeJounte Murray hit 98 three-pointers last year. There were a <laughs> 100 and four players who hit more than that on their own. And those 98 three-pointers would have put them just in front of Al Horford and Russell Westbrook, who each hit 97, and behind Quincy Acey, who hit That's 102 crazy. in Brooklyn. That's nuts. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. And I'm interested. I mean, if I guess if anyone could figure it out, it's the Spurs, but you kind of factor in what needs to happen with LaMarcus Aldridge when he has the ball in the post if you do run dual big lineups are there going to be combinations where your best shooter on the court is Pau Gasol that's a problem (laughs) yeah um what did Pau shot like 50% from three a couple years ago (laughs) if you're banking on him uh he's gonna have to shoot a lot more of them um yeah the fit in San Antonio is certainly interesting i guess you know somebody kind of replied (laughs) somebody replied to me on twitter and said are are we just going to see the spurs expose this huge market inefficiency now and maybe maybe they will maybe they'll get a ton of open shots from the mid-range but even if you shoot high 40s from the mid-range you're still not keeping up with a team that's shooting average from three so (laughs) spacing issues are going to be huge for them there I am just like on a personal level for DeMar DeRozan. I am I am optimistic for him because I think San Antonio figured out a way to make LaMarcus Aldridge more effective than I think he's ever been in his career. I think he objectively had the best season of his career and he's 32 years old. Um, DeRozan's in his late 20s. And so I, I think they can make him into individually a better player, but I'm just not sure the pieces fit together to the point that they're, they're like a serious, uh, they're not a serious contender uh, at this point after this trade. I, I kind of think this bumps them down to that big bunch of teams from like, I'll say five through 10 where they're, you wouldn't be shocked if they missed the playoffs, but you also wouldn't be surprised if they finished, you know, fifth or sixth. Is that fair? Oh, a hundred percent fair. And I think the other thing that you mentioned that's uh, probably hasn't been talked about enough, uh, DeJounte Murray's a great, great defender, and they kept him. But they lost Danny Green, Kawhi Leonard, and Kyle Anderson. Uh, not only like three of their best defenders, and like you put it, three of their four best, that's probably three of the 30 
to 40 best defenders in the league? Is that crazy to say? No, I don't think it's crazy to say at all. At the very least, it's three. You've lost two all NBA caliber defenders. Yeah. And Anderson probably has an outside shot at being one himself. Yeah. And Pau Gasol is going to be a year older. Um, <laughs> Jakob, Jakob Podol is, is good defensively, but with Gasol and Aldridge there, I don't know if there's a path to more than like 25 minutes a game for him. Uh, I think you're right. Defensive concerns, uh, <laughs> they could be pretty glaring this year. I think LaMarcus Aldridge is maybe a little bit better on defense than his reputation suggests. Like I said, they still have Murray, who is is one of the very best defensive point guards in the league. Um, but they they have a lot of questions to sort out. That's for sure. It if you're and and maybe not because the Spurs won forty seven games without Leonard last year. Yeah, that, that's at, another good point. At the same time, we you just touched on it. They lost also Kyle Anderson and Danny Green who. Who were kind of a part of that? Yeah, and, and the Spurs fans turned on Danny Green a lot. I always felt like, but he was a part of their defensive standing. They were fourth in points allowed per hundred possessions last year. I don't know what their identity is next season. Are they gonna? They're not gonna have a league average offense, right? Um, <laughs> it's hard to imagine because. There's going to be a huge percentage. This is something I might like keep track of over the course of the season. What percentage of their total shots are mid-range shots from LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan? <laughs> and like I said, even if they're really good from there, it's going to be hard to make up the difference between that and a team that just takes a reasonable amount of threes. Just... Uh, <laughs> Is, do you think they're going to make? And Dejounte Murray is not like unless he makes a huge leap offensively, he's not going to help a ton on offense. Um, but anyway, go ahead. You were they about need to him to shoot now. It's just not. Yeah, he needs to provide some ancillary spacing. I are they a playoff team? And because right now, if you're a team that's if you're the Nuggets who have already had to be feeling good about getting back to the playoffs, if you're the Clippers or even the Suns or the Mavericks. You have to be feeling a little bit more empowered about your pursuit of a playoff berth because yeah, I, the Spurs are no longer – they weren't guaranteed last year. And this seems weird to say because now you're getting DeRozan who was probably a top 30 player last year. I think his offense alone was that valuable for most of the season. It, it seems so weird to say that, oh, they're not – they might have two top 30 players depending on how the Marcus Aldridge – plays and they they won't be a playoff team the west is just so brutal and their fit right now is just so weird fragile tenuous whatever you want to call it yeah. i could see them slipping outside the, the the postseason the only team in my little chart of wins above replacement added in the offseason the only team that lost more was the cavaliers who lost lebron james um the Spurs added three and a half and they lost 10.1. And I'm looking now, the only teams that were even in the playoffs that had like a net loss were the Pelicans who didn't, they lost about half as many as the Spurs. The Rockets lost about a third as many as the Spurs. Um, a lot of the Western conference teams got better. Like I said, I think I probably put them in that five to 10 range because uh, you made the point, and I've seen it made elsewhere, that they this is a team that made the playoffs without Kawhi last year. But I think that kind of discounts how important Danny Green and Kyle Anderson uh, were to that team. And they're the Spurs, and they have Greg Popovich, and you know the system is the system that's been so successful for so long. So I think they're still a playoff contender. But like I said, I, I would not be sh shocked if they missed it. Uh, the Nuggets got better. Let me, who, who else missed that we think could take their, the Lakers, obviously. Um, they were already going right to get there. in. The Grizzlies, I think if, if, oh, Mike Conley, them, yeah. if Mike Conley and Marcus Gasol are healthy, they will be knocking on the door of the playoffs. I have like cautiously said the Mavericks a couple times. 
Um, I, I think their ceiling is probably like eight and maybe a little bit over 500, but that's another team that will be better this season. I, there's, there's certainly not a lock to make the playoffs, the Spurs. I, I'm still, I'm, I'm still just marveling at the return they, they settled for, and it'll be this stuff will trickle out. A lot of it will be agenda driven, of course, but just to see what those final offers from the other teams were, yeah, you know, some of it will come out, and this would make more sense and is easier to justify if they couldn't get anything better because you know he's he's going to leave. Otherwise, even if you're trying to prioritize win now, I would think keeping the same base as last year and even taking a return built around some youngsters, whether it was from Philly or, or L.A., whatever Boston might have been offering would have been the, the more palatable route. But, but again, based, that report from Woj was pretty telling. It's, it also said the Sixers weren't including – uh, Fultz, Joel Embiid, or Ben Simmons, and the latter two kind of a dub, but you would have thought that Fultz might have entered trade talks. And then for the Celtics to put their five best players off limits and for the Lakers to basically be standoffish after signing LeBron, maybe this really was the the best that was out there. Did you see what Pincus tweeted about the Lakers offer recently? Or, or just his opinion on what they might have offered? I, I wish re- I could see it now. I did read uh, what Pincus said the other night. It was like the Lakers don't want to give up Hart or Kuzma in a, in a Leonard yeah. trade, basically. That's that's exactly the one I'm thinking of. Um, if, if that was the Lakers thinking, too, that's <laughs> certainly interesting. I, I mean, if I was the Lakers, I probably would have parted with at least one of the young guys. But maybe they... Maybe they're still confident, despite missing out on Paul George, that they can just sign him outright in the offseason. Um, and again, maybe this just goes back to teams don't want to be that team that gets fleeced for one guy anymore. As good as one player can be, you never know how much damage losing like four or five guys and a couple assets can be. Um, I wonder if we'll ever see another great, uh, haul for a team giving up the star player again. That's, I mean, it's it's bound to happen at some point, but it hasn't for for a few years now. Leonard could have been that player if he was healthy. I think that probably has more to do with this than the contract situation because if you put Anthony Davis on the market next summer when he's going to be one year out from yeah, finding his player think, option, you would think that would get some big offers. You would think. I mean, I thought Leonard was going to eventually get some. I did too. And I thought Paul George would get bigger offers. Um, <laughs> the DeMarcus Cousins trade from Sacramento when that first happened, I think we were all pretty surprised about that too. It's it's just every single trade kind of ends up this way now. The Lakers are still clearly quote-unquote losers in all this though, right? I guess if you were worried about another team keeping Leonard, it's it's fine. Uh, Boston, Philly, maybe viewed them as having more of a chance to keep him, and and you don't see Toronto as as a real threat. Still, the fact that he's not with you and you watch Paul George leave, it's it's not a huge loss. You still are going to have max cap space next year if you stretch Luol Deng. You have LeBron under lock and key. Maybe one of your younger guys really just pops this year. I would think it, it, it's most likely to be. Brandon Ingram or Josh Hart is just my particular guess. Um, You're still in an okay situation, but to not end up with Leonard, though, it has to sting a little bit. Conversely, if you're the Clippers, I think you feel pretty good about this because there were reports that Leonard preferred the Clippers to the Lakers, but the Spurs knew the Clippers didn't have the trade assets to deal for him, and that was from Michael C. Wright. I think Sham Sharani over at Yahoo Sports had the same thing. And even if... Even, the funny thing about that, though, is there was the other side was feeding that he wanted to play with LeBron. So it'll be interesting to see how that sh- actually shakes out. Right, and the but there's also the most the most recent report was that he wanted to go to the Lakers, and that was from Woj and Ramona yeah. Shelburne. the The biggest takeaway from all this, though, 
I is that he is to some degree enamored with playing in Los Angeles. And if you're the Clippers, yeah. you're not going to sign him away from the Lakers. But if you're going up against one another, you you have a better chance. And it works out for them. I don't think it kills the. I, I don't think it kills the Lakers' chances of losing him in, in the sense that they're huge losers. But again, to to kind of be in this situation, and when you know Leonard, he might play for a number one seed. This might the Raptors might be worlds better next year than Oklahoma City was this year, and might probably is is probably too loose of a word. They're going to be better than that if Leonard is is healthy. Uh, that's, and he's like, yeah, and he's motivated. Well, I, whatever's going on with him mentally, I think it'll be an issue too. But what is yeah, he, and he's not going to sit out, which we know. No, I mean, yeah, that, that's a good question. Where is he going to be at mentally, and how is this saga going to strain the locker room? This is yeah. a little bit different from Paul George coming to Oklahoma City, where it was almost like the Thunder needed him to keep Russell Westbrook and get him to sign his extension. Yeah, it's different in and, that. Go ahead. And the other thing is, OKC wasn't giving up somebody who was beloved by the, yeah, the city and the franchise. And Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan were basically best friends. Yeah, so I think there is definitely some stuff to work out there. Did you see what Lou Williams tweeted about this? He called the Raptors a snake, basically. Yeah, and then somebody asked him about it, and, and he responded to that guy and said, I'm hurt, bro, I'm hurt. My dog gave that city and organization his heart and soul. He was loyal to the soil and got stabbed in the back. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if some current Raptors feel the same way. So they, you know, you're right. I think there may be some chemistry stuff to work out with Kawhi there. Um, but if he's again, if he's the guy he was like two years ago, I think that's probably a 60 plus win team um, and a very real contender to get into the Eastern or to the NBA finals. Kyle Lowry's uh, in the most awkward situation of anyone, right? Because you're caught between losing your best friend, but you have to know deep down, you have to know that your team immediately is better. so much yeah. better off. He's got to know. Yeah. Um, that is a tough spot though. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> He's, he is definitely the guy that's between a rock and a hard place. If, uh, where do you think Kawhi's going to play in 2019-2020? Oh, man. That's... I'm going to say the Lakers still. I'm going to say the Lakers too. I, and I feel terrible saying that about the Raptors, but he, this is like a different kind of dilemma for them because I don't know that you can trust the channels of communication that are open between you and who, who are you speaking with? Is it Uncle Dennis? Who... Who is it? And can you trust anything that Kawhi's camp is is saying right now? It's just probably not. Yeah. yeah. So and he also he doesn't talk. This doesn't seem like a Paul George guy who you can get in a room and really try and sell. Yeah. If that were the case, because the Spurs were so committed to keeping him, it seemed at first, I feel like Leonard would have stayed. Like if Paul if Paul George, if Indiana really rolled out the red carpet for him, like the Spurs were thought to have done for Leonard this summer where they wanted a meeting with him. Things could have been different there. I just, the type of person that Leonard, Leonard seems to be, how introverted he is, how inconsistent his desires have been. When when George was on the market, it was, he wants to go to the Lakers. He wants to go to the Lakers. With Kawhi Leonard, it's been, oh, the Lakers. Oh, he doesn't want to play with LeBron. Oh, he, he, he'll play with the Clippers. Oh, no, he still wants to play. It's It's been all over the place. And I think the return kind of reflects the what the Raptors gave up kind of reflects that uncertainty because like I said in a piece that I wrote for, for BR and the rapid reaction to this this trade doesn't feel like the Spurs sold low or acted even on impulse it feels like they facilitated a Raptors salary dump yeah I think you could definitely <laughs> see it that way um this is just crazy uh, like I said at the very beginning of this episode, I I think we all kind of expected the Raptors over the last couple of days, but this the package that they got was was definitely a little bit surprising to me. Is there any other uh, angle to this? Do you think we need to hit? No, another winner might be the Lakers' kitties. They know they're not being moved now. Yeah, 
That yeah, that's true. Who's Those the, are some other funny tweets you had this who, morning. Was the Ingram and Kuzma reactions? Oh, I'm catching so much shit for my Leonard salary breakdown, and I just wish that people understood I was talking about. He's punting on X guaranteed years and money because you can't guarantee that that fifth year is going to be available to him if he just signs a new deal. Like it's I like yeah. that was the point I was, and people don't read the thread. Well, I think it takes me off. I think most people probably got it because it has over a thousand retweets. Uh, so that or people, I perhaps, hopefully they read the thread because it was more expansive than that. Yeah, I don't. I think that would be about it. Who is the who's the next Kawhi Leonard? Who's the next superstar to be disgruntled and, and want to trade? Though that's what the conversation is going to shift to next. Yeah, I don't know if. I don't know if these people will want trades, but I think their names will probably come up. You already mentioned Anthony Davis. I think that's just the nature of the NBA now. Once a superstar is near the, nearing the end of his contract, it's it's almost a given that people are going to start talking. So he's up there. Giannis is another one I was thinking of. Um, gosh, I can't think of any other. Kyrie Irving, maybe. Ooh. I, uh, just because we've already heard some rumblings about that anyway. I, I don't know. Who else? Is there anybody I'm missing? Tim Hardaway Jr. <laughs> Dream on. It, it, this probably doesn't count because you see Kevin Durant leaving the Warriors. Yeah, as a free agent, though. I don't think he'll – I'm not sure if it'll be this summer. I think he'll want to play in the new arena that opens for 2019-2020. I think if we jump ahead to 2021, so effectively three more seasons – I'll leave it. I think if you jump ahead to after 2019, 2020, Kevin Durant is no longer a member of the Warriors. Yeah. I wonder if he'll be in trade rumors, though, like you were saying. There's no way. Yeah, I can't imagine Golden State making him available unless it just becomes obvious that he wants to go somewhere else. But Oh, my final question on this, though, would be who is the best player in the Eastern Conference now? Kawhi Leonard or Giannis Attentacumpo? I'm going to go with Giannis. I, uh, just because, like we've already talked about, there's, there's question marks with Kawhi right now. And I think Giannis is still, I, I think it's reasonable to say they're probably both still on the rise, but I think <laughs> maybe Giannis is on a, a steeper rise. Is that fair to say? I, I'm going to go with Giannis. Also, the injury concerns now with Leonard, right? Yeah, I mean, I was thinking the injury and the chemistry when I talked about, you know, questions with with Kawhi and just his heart being elsewhere. I think that's important, too. This was this was crazy. Hopefully it means we can have a semi-com rest of the summer. You and I wanted to (laughs) tackle. We'll try and get to that in the next pod. Hopefully summer league standouts, rookie of the year picks and crap keeps happening. I think this has to be you. You said it before. There's the Marcus Smart. The Marcus Smarts, excuse me, still in free agency. The Clint Capella, Houston Rockets thing needs to be hashed out. No. But it doesn't seem like there's any superstar trade requests imminent. The Hornets don't seem like they're going to move Kemba Walker. Davis and Atentacumpo are probably a year away from like exerting any leverage they have, and Atentacumpo is probably two years away on that front. It will be maybe a calm rest of the offseason, or do you think we're going to be thrown for a loop or 50? Somehow, some way. Um, gosh, with the way the last couple of years in the NBA have gone, it it's almost feels more safe to say we will see something else crazy. But uh, I think I think we've seen the uh, high notes. I'm sorry, no more news breaks. There needs to be like a do not disturb NBA news cycle between <laughs> two in the morning Eastern time and maybe six or seven in the morning Eastern time. I don't want to go to bed. That- at one, I went to bed after 2 a.m. Eastern time, and when I do this, I'm pretty much thinking that I've waited out the news cycle, I've gotten <laughs> my work done, and then I get a call. Call, uh, I get notified. Like Bleach Report wants me to come in and tackle the Kawhi Leonard stuff, and it was like 4:50 in the morning, Eastern Standard Time, and it's just, I I love the NBA, but like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I think the so there was a tweet from Woj, um, seven hours ago. Toronto is close to a deal to acquire Spurs all-star Kawhi Leonard. League sources tell Crispy Haynes and me. Trade package includes DeMar DeRozan. League sources tell ESPN. 
that one must have happened like right after I went to bed. And I went to bed at about 1 a.m. my time. So it'd be 3 a.m. Eastern. So you're right. <laughs> Middle of the night seems to be when this stuff gets done. Well, I don't they even know if it happens like then. And you kind of expect quirky news breaks when free agency just opens up. But it's it, well, neither of these teams are operating yeah. on West Coast time. Like, what yeah, the hell? Yeah, there's no reason they couldn't have. <laughs> yeah. Hammer it out in the morning next time, guys, and get it all done by the afternoon. I'm trying to get more than two or three hours sleep a night during the offseason, if that's okay with you, NBA, slash Kwai, <laughs> slash Uncle Dennis, slash Woj. Dan Poor Woj and Shams, by the way. You know they were sleeping and, and were just woken up. You yeah, know they I were saw sleeping. a pretty funny tweet. Somebody, like, screenshotted. Um, there was one of Woj's tweets, and then there was a Shams one that was, like, four minutes later, and it was everything that... Woj had already reported and somebody just captioned it. Shams just woke up or something like that. It was, did you see the gif? I think it was sports illustrated tweeted out where it's, uh, Neil Patrick Harris from how I met your mother, just popping up in bed in a suit that he was sleeping. Then all of a sudden just rises in bed in a suit and starts <laughs> typing on his laptop. He has to have, I guess he probably just goes to sleep and leaves his phone on like super loud. So he wakes up whenever it goes off. Did you watch entourage ever? Oh yeah. The, it, it Woj has a bat phone. It's a third or fourth cell phone that is just always, and they know to call it so that it's always on and it will wake him at whatever. That's probably true, actually. This is the number we call for the, the really juicy stuff. <laughs> um, I think we have, except we, we have gone over every angle, I think, uh, of this Kawhi Leonard stuff. If Somehow you've... the Lakers came out as winners at the end of this with us both yeah. predicting they will sign I'm, Kawhi I'm pretty sure he's going to the Lakers. Um, hey, I'm not going to refute you. I'm just rolling with you. You predicted LeBron correctly. so Yeah, I'm on a roll right now. So if you want, if there's anything else we missed or you know any other NBA topics you want to hit us up about, Dan's on Twitter at Dan Favale, F-A-V-A-L-E. I'm on Twitter at Andrew D. Bailey. The show is at Hardwood Knox. The sponsor is at NBA underscore math. Like Dan said, uh, leave us reviews, ratings, share the podcast with your friends. Uh, we have in the past not been above advocating uh, pilfering their phones for a couple minutes, subscribing for them, rating for them. That would be great. Uh, until next time, we leave you with the shout out to Benno Udri, to Memphis Grizzly, Kyle Anderson. Oh man, uh, that's gonna be that's gonna be weird. Yeah, and uh, I'll give a shout out to Jakob Puddle, Newspur, Jakob Puddle, Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns, legends whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history, relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June sixth. Only on Showtime.